right, everybody, it's a Blue Sky session today, which means we are going to be thinking outside the box, all sorts of different things. It's, you know, it's 1994, we're here at Nintendo headquarters, and we're coming up yeah. with that first three-dimensional Mario game. So I want to be hearing about, like, concepts we might employ, uh, different ways we might introduce some locomotion. Uh, like, I want you to think about, like, uh, that instead of fighting a boss by just throwing fireballs at him, uh, you might, like, run around behind him. You know, utilize that three-dimensional space. Right. You grab him by his tail and, and swing him around. But, uh, like, so I want to hear your 3D ideas here for our new Mario 64 3D game that's going right. to be coming out in 1996. What do, you, what do you guys got? What do you guys got? Can, let's just back it up one second. Okay, yeah, no problem. What do you mean when you say 3D? Okay, okay, good question, good question. What do we mean when we say 3D? Yeah. We're talking about a three-dimensional space. Think, think instead mm -hmm. of uh, a piece of paper where you're just like sliding Mario from one side of the paper to another. Think mm -hmm. of it like a shoebox, an entire world inside of a shoebox, and you can right. move Mario around inside that shoebox. So maybe there's like, I don't know, let's, let, hey, here's something to put on the board, a wall jump. Like maybe you can jump off the wall and you can different spaces he can interact with. So let's put that up on the board. What do you guys got? What's, talk to me about three-dimensional movement, three-dimensional bosses, puzzles. Three dimensions. I guess, I guess I'm confused off. Uh, hey, so hey, sorry. Off. I, I, you, you can continue talking about Matt. Can I just, uh, I, I, need, I want to get myself a cup of coffee, but you are directly in my path. Um, just oh. go around him. Just go can around I, him. Okay. Can I, do you want me to no, dip? I'm over him. you, or you could just go? No, no, no. Yeah. Go maybe around maybe him. can you jump, and I can go him. underneath you. All right. Okay. Do you see, okay. I'll climb do you over see you. what I'm doing? Ugh. No, don't climb. Ugh. Don't climb. This, uh, I don't. Ugh. You can okay. look how I'm okay, moving well, around Matt. Do you? All right. You've got the cough. Look. Hey. Whoa! You disappear behind Matt. No. And then you reemerge. I didn't just look at the coffee that you are currently pouring. Look how it's uh -huh. traveling into a cup. Into yeah. a cup. You're not the cup is not do you see? So yeah, imagine that's Mario and he's sliding down a waterfall into okay, a cup. I'm you gonna stop you right there. Mario what? is an Italian man, he's not coffee. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean this oh that god. would be a complete reconceptualization of the franchise. We're gonna turn Mario into coffee. I think the fans would revolt. Oh my god. The audio transcripts for this meeting continued for a further 13 hours and are <laughs> punctuated by the sound of a woman screaming, glass shattering, and then a body hitting the ground. The game came out and was a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> we jump, jump, and wahoo in Nintendo 64 launch legend, Super Mario 64, as Mario continues on the 100th episode of how did this get played? Aces. D Nick, is this, are you bummed out that it wasn't five more bits? What do you mean? I would imagine that you would have preferred Nintendo 69. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to leave this in. <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome to How Did This Get Played, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest and warrioist video games of all time. That third W by at no love for you, Dr. Jones. Submit yours at Get Played Pod, hashtag WWW. That third W by at Elon Musk. <laughs> I was thinking worse. It could have been from Wario himself. Uh, I don't like having that association with Wario forever. <laughs> I'm Nick Weiger along with Heather Ann Campbell. I'm Heather Ann Campbell along with our producer, Matt Apodaca. Let's go, everyone. It's me, Matt Apodaca. Let's go, everyone. And welcome back, Bucket. Edge. Guys, Super Mario continues as we explore the worst and weirdest and today wonderfulest games in the Mario franchise oh. for our 100th episode. Uh, but first, before we do that, before we uh, before we continue with Super Mario, it is before first time we to ascend uh, into gaming heaven. We also mm. ascend into gaming heaven with yes. 70 seconds in gaming heaven. We'll, we'll go up to heaven for 70 seconds. We'll come back to earth and then we'll go right back up to heaven. Uh, let's spend 70 seconds in gaming heaven. Matt, let us know when to begin. Go for it. All right. So I played through over the past week and change both games in the Honey Pop franchise. This is a game I read about uh, on Kotaku a few years ago. And it was on sale on Humble Bumble. And, and it's like a, I'd read that it has like a surprising depth to its match three gameplay. You, you know, a classic match three game, like like your Candy Crushes, your Bejeweled. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of a tired formula. This one like really expands that by having, it, 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 it sounds simple, but it like completely upends how you play the game, which is that you can move a, uh, you can move a tile anywhere within that same row. You're, you don't. You can't just switch it with the. You're not limited to just switching it to the one that's adjacent to it. You can move it anywhere within the row. So it's like every piece is a is a rook, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And it really opens up the gameplay. Um, it's also got a dating sim element, which is uh, you know it's fine. I what it is it's technically a hentai game but it, <laughs> but the puzzle what? gameplay is surprisingly like innovative and like like it's got like a like i was it's it's fascinating uh, to read because people up. are like really you're wait you're you spent 70 seconds telling us about tetris and ended it with but you fuck in the game like <laughs> yeah so it's it does have a hentai element which is very like you know uh it's uh, it's it's got some gratuitous uh, anime cheesecake. Um, and it, it's censored depending on where you buy it from. But yeah, basically, what if you if you successfully complete a date, you are given a bonus level where you get to uh, romance, if you will, hmm. uh, your your uh, companion via match three gameplay, and then you are rewarded with your, a, uh, a your, lascivious uh, photo. Your uh, <laughs> uh, uh, companion, your wife, your waifu. You get to you get to seduce your waifu because you said romance in the way that you did. I like am not quite sure what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like Catherine, though. Like the puzzle, yeah. the puzzle element yes. of Catherine is so good on it. It should be a separate game. I loved the puzzle yes. part of that game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is interesting because uh, I know we're past our time limit, but it's like. It, it 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 because it because it's got some strategic depth and it's got some challenge to it. Like I was looking at like the Steam forums, like the discussions to to you know see what look at strategies and people are like struggling with certain levels or whatever, and other people are saying just like get good. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's funny just to read things in the context of this game that's just like 
this horny kind of porno game mm-hmm. uh, where you'll see someone be like, like, use lube. Lube is OP. There's an item. <laughs> <laughs> that's that yeah that is perfect that's really really good yeah Mm. shockingly fun though i had a good time with these honey pot honey pop honey pop okay honey pop it sounded like you said honey pot and i was like are you sure this isn't just a way to like get people's names into the fbi like it's just like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we've got another one uh nick weigers downloaded the same game six times It's great because now I'm at a point in the game where I can meet one of these characters in person. Uh, now I'm going to this uh, undisclosed location, and uh, but and I haven't seen them yet. But apparently, once I go in there, I'll get to meet them in person. We'll get to spend time together. That'll be great. Great, Nate. Uh, great. I just just as an aside, still, I'm sure we'll move on right after this. But I googled, I googled it. Yeah, and one of the images that popped up. Is easily one of the most graphic things I've ever seen, but not Googling pornography. <laughs> yes, it's it's got some, uh, I, I should have given a little NSFW warning if you're going to Google at home. I have to now explain this to uh, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, um, this is something else, uh, Nick. You got a real, you got a real... <laughs> I'm looking at images of it right now, and yeah, uh, I mean, there's, there's a, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think, uh, Abadak and I are probably looking at the same image where a woman is doubled over. That's the one I saw. Exposing her <laughs> asshole with a candy jewel inside of yeah, it. Yeah, but like not advertising all of it. the game. Like you get the impression it's that you know right. it's there, but you don't see wait, all of it. Wait, this is on your Twitter, Nick. This is just a drawing you made. <laughs> is this why you sent this email? Urgent, honey pop fun. <laughs> <laughs> There's only two games in the series, but we can stretch it out. <laughs> well, that's great, Nick. I found. So- I'm glad you found something that you actually really like. Yeah. yeah, you know who else likes it is my wife. So that's great. <laughs> hey, that's great. <clears throat> hey, let's talk about this week's game. <laughs> oh, man. Hey. Uh, <laughs> let's talk. Hey. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about. I-, I would also like to say this is our hundredth episode. A hundo. This is 100 episodes of How Did This Get Played? And, you know. Being that it's the last time I am ever going to appear on this show, I think it's really important. (laughs) Right. I think it's important for you guys to, you know, that I I really had a bad time and I wish we hadn't done this. (laughs) Yeah. Now that uh, your court-ordered community service has been fulfilled by doing 100 episodes of this podcast, you are free. I, I yeah, it's 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 been interesting because I love talking with uh, both of you about video games. Obviously, this is an absolute joy. But the but God, some of the stuff we play fucking sucks. And then it's also we talked about this a little bit with our uh, uh, with Jason Shire about just how video game time gets it gets turned into when you have anything to do with uh, with work mm-hmm. that's re- that's related to video gaming. It all kind of gets melded into one like leisure time, something that I did that you do purely for fun gets turned into like, well, this is also work time. And then there's periods where it's like, well, I I would normally just be playing something or relaxing otherwise. And instead I have to play, 
use some of my precious video game time, my precious leisure time to play something that fucking sucks. But not yeah. this week. Not this, this week, week, for sure. This week, I, I got to drag out my N64, plug it into my Sony PVM, wow. dig out the banana controller or whatever it was officially called, and play one of the loveliest games of all time. Yes. We're, of course, talking Super Mario 64. 64. 64. Super Mario 64 was released in 1996. It was the first Super Mario game to feature 3D gameplay and was a launch title for the N64 developed by Nintendo Entertainment Analysis and Development. Uh, other games while, that while came you're out... Do, while you're doing that real quick, I just had an idea of, like, we what, like... Uh, it's, you know, because I, I just thought of this. So, you know, like like Super Mario 64, like 64. is Could there be like a song parody of the Beatles when I'm 64? That's yeah. That's Mario, Mario 64. Like, uh, will you still need me? My brother's Luigi. <laughs> Mario 64. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's real. I was thinking the same thing. Um, I, I did keep it to myself. But uh-huh. I, I was I did have a similar thought, and then I was sort of like, well, that's something we could do, but is it now it's too late because we are talking, like we're recording it. I guess yeah. we could put it in. Yeah, I think it's good to ha- to keep it in. I no, like we could put it in later. Oh, okay. So you you put your thing in later. My thing. <laughs> was it the same thing? Yeah. I wish that I'd called in so you guys could just hear a dial tone. Just <laughs> <laughs> you hanging up on us. <laughs> we'll yeah, fig- no. We'll figure something out. Yeah, no, keep okay. all that. Keep all that. Totally worth it. Absolutely worth the words that you used. <laughs> all right. 1996 uh, in video games was the year of Duke Nukem 3D, Quake, Resident Evil, Super Mario RPG, Tomb Raider, and one of Nick Weiger's favorite, Civilization 2. Big game year. Big year for games. Uh, the Nintendo 64 was the uh, first console to launch with an analog controller, even though there were other analog controllers uh, that were throughout gaming history, hmm. dating all the way back into, the, I think, the 70s. Uh, this was the first one that had both four ports, ready-to-go, multiplayer, lots of fun, um, and this was also my very first job in video games was as a retail sales girl, sales child. <laughs> and my, and my first work week was the launch of the Nintendo 64 when I worked at Electronics. Boutique. Wow. Uh, so sitting on my shelf could be, uh, I mean, if this if this was an interactive thing, I could bring this up in Heather's hole. Uh, <laughs> but I have a watch that was issued to retailers uh, for anybody working during the hell week that was the launch of the Nintendo 64. Wow. And, um, I'll, hold on, I'll grab it and I'll hold it up to camera and you guys can describe it. Wow. Okay. While he's doing that, I just like, um, yeah. I think that, I think this, I think we should record this. Uh, Mario 64 song. Yeah, later. I think like, we, should, we, we absolutely should maybe do it. Maybe Devin will help us out. Wow. Well, Heather's well, holding okay, up her this, N64 honestly, watch. This is really cool. It's cooler than I was even thinking it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be cool. Leather strap, Leather round strap. face. Says Nintendo on the side, and on the inside it says U.S. launch, fall 1996. 
Wow. Have you checked eBay for how much one of these is going for? I've never seen one of these on eBay. Wow. I got to say, you know, we know Heather. We know that Heather has all this cool stuff. I think of everybody that I know, and Heather, this is about to be a very big compliment for you. I think of you, of everyone I know, you have the most cool stuff. Well, thank you very much. You're very well. Thank you very much. Before before you uh, before you make that declaration, Matt, okay. I just want to show you something that I have within arm's reach. Okay, it's a Kurt Rambis basketball card. How about that? Boo! Boo! We hate it. We hate it. Rambis, get a scrambis, more like. All right. Is that? <laughs> Nick, have you been have you been banned from buying more NFTs by your wife, and you're just buying regular <laughs> cards now? <laughs> it's got to be fungible now. <laughs> Everything I buy has to be fungible. <laughs> uh, I have some no, I actually physical basketball cards, which I which I may have talked about, like that actually got me into NBA Top Shot. Although mm-hmm. I am, yeah, I'm I'm spending a little less time on that, as is everyone. Mm-hmm. I recently dipped my toes back into Pokemon cards, and it's like the card thing right now is crazy. There's all sorts of rules. You can only buy one, or it depends on what they get. And I see people that not just there for Pokemon cards, but for basketball cards and, and, and you know, all sports cards and the like. And it's just very funny uh, that, like, because like the signs at these places now, they say like no sports cards, you know, they list NBA, you know, yes. NFL, MLB, and Pokemon. And it's just funny to loop them. Looping in with sports. I just think it's great. It's very, very, like, because people are just turning them around or hoarding them and then selling them later. It's a whole, so there's a piece in Vice. Yes. About yeah, the, the, card between shortage. the, between nerd culture and sports culture, these things have kind of merged. And mm-hmm. I think I also say, I don't know if I've, I've said this on the show before, but I, I, I went to NBA Summer League uh, with some friends a couple of years ago back when you could gather for things mm-hmm. and that's it held in the, it's held a few places i went to the one in vegas and it's basically like you're just watching you know you you go in and there's four games going at once and you can go between gyms and watch them and so it's it's like nba super fans watching you know rookies and guys who may or may not make the team uh in these scrimmages and the crowd there is just as nerdy as the crowd for E3. <laughs> it's the same sort of just like fucking dorkwads who yeah. will be like, you know, who like are super into sports analytics or the people yeah. who will also, you know, pre-order a console. It's it's the it's the exact same demographic. Yeah, the Venn diagram part in the middle is people who love spreadsheets. Like <laughs> <laughs> So Mario 64, developed by EAD, uh, Nintendo's sort of flagship division internally, and uh, published by Nintendo, obviously. Miyamoto himself directed this one, Shigeru Miyamoto. The GOAT. The GOAT. The Shakespeare of his form. <laughs> you know, I, I thought, I thought yes. that uh, the Nintendo 64 controller was developed for Mario 64. This was a, 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 a thing that I thought was the truth. And doing research for the episode this week, I discovered that that was not the case. Which I had the exact same revelation. Fucking shocked the shit out of me. I thought the yeah. controller looked and felt as weird as it did because they were like, how do we make the ultimate Mario 64 controller? Like that it was developed sort of like as a marriage. But instead it was like that the, they showed 
the team, the development team, the analog stick and said, we're going with this analog stick. And they sort of had to develop Mario's movement around the analog stick because the game itself was inspired by Star Fox and the FX right. chip and the idea that they might be able to do a 3D Mario back then, which of course didn't involve an analog controller because that was a Super NES. So, yes. holy shit, I learned some stuff this week. So I, I think the, uh, the what I read, and it may be, uh, you know, it, it may just be one of those things where there's just different sources say different things, but I, I had read that Miyamoto, him, Miyamoto did want an analog stick um, that that even if it didn't come explicitly from him, that he had input that led to that decision. But the the overall layout of the controller, things like like I always assume the C buttons, especially the way the way they're used in Super Mario 64, were designed for that game. And there's something that's not really ever that functional again. I mean, kind of, I guess, in, in an ocarina of time, I guess the C buttons are pretty decently used, but they seem like pretty specifically designed for controlling the camera and the way it is in Mario 64 and then to learn that that's not the case learn learn they retrofitted it from that and that the the internal hardware team had just sort of decided like hey we want two dominant buttons cuz that's what it shows that users use uh it uh, that that was i, I agree mind blowing i have a quote here from Jim Merrick the technical director at Nintendo of America he says, I think it's a misnomer to say that the N64 controller was designed around Super Mario 64. Yes, Mr. Miyamoto wanted analog control because it had a vision of how he wanted the game to work, but the controller wasn't specifically designed for one game. I think that echoes what you just said. Yes. Uh, and another quote from the Wikipedia article about the N64 controller from Giles Goddard or Giles? I don't know. Giles Goddard. The first time Nintendo lead game designer Shigeru Miyamoto played with the controller because he's working most of the time on Mario 64, he would have seen Mario 64 with it. It wasn't so much that the controller dictated Mario 64, it was just that the game he it was just the game he was working on. Mario was a way of testing it out, probably more the other way around. The actual movement of Mario came from the N64 controller, the way you move the central stick. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Fucking mind-blowing I guess we should I mean I guess we this is a good time to discuss how it controls and I will say returning to this game first thing I'll say is that that I'll just generally staggered by how well it holds up I'm just like this is I yeah. can't believe how well this still plays uh, but the I, I I I will say I feel like the analog movement of Mario which I remember being very oh, like a oh, like mega responsive is a little bit less uh it, it it's it, it it does feel a little bit dated in terms of how that no. feels no. just I, I will just say no. in terms of like for instance <laughs> for instance like mario's like turnaround animation is like a little sluggish it's not uh, as instantly responsive as you'll see it's a little bit so like modern 3d platformers uh-uh nope 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 no. Okay. <laughs> right, here's well. here's here's some some reasons why you're wrong. What platform did you play it on, Nick? I played it on Switch. But Okay, so don't but hold on. I played it on Switch. I played the remaster. Okay. Well, not a remaster. I played the I played the Super Mario 3D All-Stars version. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you are complaining about the audio fidelity uh on a VHS tape of the original uh, recording. You are complaining about a drawing of a t-shirt not being, uh, well, it doesn't fit you very well because it's mm -hmm. like it's a drawing instead of the actual shirt. I, 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 I think that 
you can levy complaints about the Switch version of the game, but you cannot levy complaints about Mario 64 unless you're playing it on the original hardware. And I, I hate to be a purist about this, but we've just talked about how the, the, the movement was articulated by the controller itself. And there is a huge amount of travel on the N64 analog stick. Right. And when you are playing it on the original analog stick, the speed of Mario's movement makes sense because of the amount of travel. But if you're on a little tiny switch analog stick with all that snappiness, of course he's going to feel sluggish. So what right. I'm saying is maybe you were wrong. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, episode's done. We have nothing to discuss. So I played it on the wrong hardware, apparently. Go find a CRT at a thrift store and hook my Nintendo 64 up to it. I, I played the game as most people will experience it today. And that was my, that was my response. But I will say, it's, uh, that said, it still is extremely fun to control. Yes. And th there were some minor issues in, you know, like, like, OK, I'm uh, uh, trying to trying to position Mario just precisely or trying to, you know, again, turn around in place. But I, but man, the things that, that are established conventions that are established in this game that have carried over to 3D Mario's uh, in perpetuity, like the long jump and, you know, the uh, the quick turnaround flip, the uh, the duck in place backflip feel so fucking good to execute. It's just it just is such a joy to just sort of run around and romp around especially when you've got wide open spaces and then just traversing. If you can efficiently traverse like you know using the long jump like that's super duper rewarding and feels great. I I mean it's just it's just a joy for the most part to move Mario around. Yeah, it's it's a st Matt, you look like you were about to say something. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, because I, I, you know, I didn't play this at launch. Okay, so like I didn't, I didn't have a Nintendo sixty four, and I was, uh, I was. Well, I would have been old enough to play Mario, but I bet you this would have been a game that was maybe just a little too hard for me to play. Like if I was right. six too scary. when it came out. Yeah, too yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this guy with the mustache. I don't know who he is. Get him away from me. <laughs> um, no, but like, so I, I guess what I'm wondering is like, from when it was released, did you guys buy it like at launch? And was it like, like super hyped? Was it like, like a huge, like, oh shit, he's in 3D now? I cannot think of a more hyped game other than yes. possibly Final Fantasy VII. Wow. At this, in this window of time, Mario 64 was not only. A, a, an insane leap from Super Mario World. Like if you think about the Super Mario World to Super Mario 64, the incredible change of technology on, on like when you would watch, you know, commercials for it, it would look like a cartoon mm -hmm. and you were, and, and, and it didn't have any of the, um, seam breaking, like the, the, the polygon seams, that you see in PlayStation and Saturn games from the time. Like it mm -hmm. felt like a complete thing. And it said, it said so much about the potential of the N64 that people who were skeptical of the cartridge format, skeptical, skeptical about the controller, skeptical about the entire system were like, holy fuck. Like yeah. this might be a big fucking change. Mm -hmm. And if it hadn't been for the weakness Excuse me, the, the overall thinness of the rest of the launch 
titles of the N64, I think that it would have won the entire generation based on this game alone. Like, I cannot overstate what a big deal it was and how hard it was to get. Like, there were so fewer copies of the game and machines than there are, I feel like, anything up until the PlayStation 5, which remains impossible to find. Mm -hmm. Like, you couldn't find the fucking N64 anywhere. The reason I got it during the launch week was that I got a job at a video game store so that I could put one aside. (laughs) (laughs) That was... Yes. Yeah. My experience was similar. I I was going to say... I was going to compare the hype. I, I think this is this is roughly it's it's not it's not on the same level, but it was similarly hyped to like The Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a beloved franchise. This is a long-awaited sequel that seems to be a huge technological leap over its predecessor. Not the same thing, but it was the same sort of like energy of like holy shit, what is this thing going to be? Yeah, and, and the fans were really mad. And people were about- furious, absolutely <laughs> livid. How dare he team up with Lakitu? Yeah, I think that I think the choice also to pit two narratives of Luigi and Mario against each other that comes yes. to a head in the finale. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. They're fighting shirtless on a beach. It's it's bizarre. Uh, I had a. So so Wait, as, as far as <laughs> yeah, they take their shirts what? off. <laughs> That's not a thing. Wait, what? Nick played the Honey Pop version of the Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> so the, the the as far as acquiring one. Similar sort of thing. They were super duper scarce. I actually like ended up, I, I got one not at launch, but like in the launch window in that few months after it came out and was, I, but it was like a thing of like, I got the game first. I got Super Mario 64 because a Toys R Us had Super Mario 64s in stock. I was like, I'm just going to fucking pick one up now just so I have the game because uh, that in and of mm-hmm. itself was scarce, so, you know, the, the cartridges. So they're, they're. Uh, they require manufacturing time, more manufacturing time than burning a CD. And then the uh, the fucking uh, then I, I got a console like a week later from like a different Toys R Us. And wow. yeah, the, the, I, I'm, I mean, as far as Heather's theory of like it might have won the generation. I think it was always going to be limited by the cartridge just because the, it has so little storage and you see it in this game. Like there's there's so little VO and the VO that does exist is, you know, is is pretty low fidelity. Um, the music is very good in this game, but it's using the internal, you know, it's 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 using the sound chip of the game to generate its audio. It's, it doesn't have like the, lo- the you know, the pre-recorded uh, tracks that are that you experienced on PlayStation games of the era and in modern games. So I, I think it was always going to be limited by not being able to have that production value of just like, oh, full speech and like an orchestral soundtrack. It, it, it just always made the PlayStation games feel a little bit more adult. And I think that that was a huge factor. Mm-hmm. I think things like the like the FMV intro to Resident Evil and all the FMV that was in Final Fantasy VII uh, that was used heavily in the commercials. All the, all that pre-rendered CG was like th- those were si- that that's moved systems. That moved hardware. That that like sold systems, and I think that that helped establish the PlayStation's dominance in addition to the breadth of its of its library. Yeah, no, I I agree with 
everything you've just said. Uh, but if if every game on the N64 had been as polished as Mario 64, it, I don't think those things would have factored in. Like, I know that it's a first-party Nintendo game and they're always excellent on Nintendo hardware. Right. But it just... It was such, like, I can't think of a stronger launch title for any system ever than Mario 64. Like, nothing has come out and been like, because also, arguably, Mario 64 is the best game on the N64, probably Mm -hmm. is, right? So imagine that the first game that dropped for the PlayStation 5 was the best game that ever came out for the PlayStation 5. (laughs) Sure. what the what the fuck is this? And I I I I think that that's part of why also it fe- it feels like both a f- an incredible home run and also an extraordinary fumble because like right. nothing on the system lives up to Mario sixty four. There's other classics, GoldenEye, Mario Kart, etc. But I mean, look at that game. I, I, I would say it. just just as far as you, you make a great shh, point about it just being shh, just just look at it for a sec. Just look. Just I'm looking. Take a moment. <laughs> oh, sorry. I accidentally opened Honey Pop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as as far as legendary or or you know like the greatest launch titles, legendary is overstating. And I mean, you know, Super Mario sixty four, Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo, Tetris for the Game Boy was was huge. Uh, I, and that one sold a lot of hardware, uh, as did Halo for the Xbox. I mean, yes. Halo was was such a huge, huge title. But let me say this. As far as the best game being the first one that com- came out for the system, there's a case that that might end up being true for the Switch with Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, has anything beaten it yet? Is, is anything ag- except for possibly a sequel for Breath of the Wild on the horizon going to be better than it? I don't know. What Did Odyssey launched with the Switch, right? Or No. It wasn't a launch title. It came out. Uh, oh. It came out the same year, though. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and, and but, you know, hey, if you want to say Odyssey was better than Breath of the Wild, I won't fight you on that. Okay, that was really worried that you were gonna try to fight. I, me. Yeah. I don't. I don't mean to be this this trash person because I personally think Breath of the Wild is better than the game that I'm about to say. But I think the game of this generation, whatever the Switch generation is, is Animal Crossing. Because sure. nothing was more culturally relevant for more people all at once in the world than Animal Crossing. And yes, that was a byproduct of us all being trapped in our houses and not being able to go anywhere. But I think when you think back to the Switch, people aren't going to think of Breath of the Wild. They're going to think Animal Crossing. Yeah, I was going right. to say similarly, but I was going to make the case for uh, for Vroom in the Night Sky. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be Vroom in the Night Sky. T- actually. 10 out of 10, guys. 10 out of 10. <laughs> you did give it a 10. <laughs> yep. <laughs> God, I haven't thought about that game since we did that episode. That was, that I think my, about my... it like once a month. <laughs> really? Usually in context of people being like, wait, what's your podcast? Sure. And then I say, oh, we play these terrible games. Like we played one that was uh, you ride a bicycle around in the air. And then eventually I think you ride a bench and <laughs> and they're like, what? And then I'm like, games like this exist. But uh, the, once a month, I talk about Vroom in the Night Sky. Wow. My favorite detail about that game, when thinking back on it, is that I 100 percented that game, like lit, got every <laughs> single achievement. <laughs> and it took me 
four hours. <laughs> That's something we should do here in this 100th episode. Talk about the show itself. Mm, Think back that's on fun. the times. We had the times. Oh. What times did we have? What times we had? What fun Name we some. had? Name some times and some fun. Oh, you know, like when, how about when we talked to uh, Colton Dunn about Duke Nukem Forever? Oh, oh excellent how fun episode. Was that? Fun times. He did a good Duke Nukem impression. He we should have really- that guy back on the show. <laughs> excellent times. Yeah, very, what very other times. times. Talk about uh, times. No, you do one, Nick. Uh, how about we were, do you remember it was just the three of us and we were talking about Super Mario 64? <laughs> okay, that's from today. Man, I was having the, had the best time. Oh, no. Because we don't get a lot to talk about a lot of good games. He my joy away from me. He takes it away from me. <laughs> like, I can't even remember anything past right now. How did he even... What did he, what, I was literally he... ha- experiencing like euphoria and nostalgia mm. in the same <laughs> like emotional over like I was flooded a little bit. I was like maybe on the edge of tears and Nick managed to be like, what if I was so dumb that I thought <laughs> now was the past? <laughs> what if I was that dumb, guys? <laughs> We've had a lot of good times, you know. Was our first ge- was our first game Sonic 06? Is that the first yeah, one we George. did in our first episode? A lot yeah. of fun. Sonic 06. And that and Sonic 06, I think well no, 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 that's not that's not a, a, at all true. I was going to say it was it was something in response to Super Mario 64, but I completely forgot about Sonic Adventure, no, which was a, the Dreamcast one. And it's 10 years after Mario years 64. After, yeah. And 10 years after Mario 64, Sonic 06 was that bad. They couldn't no, just bad. like be like, let's just reskin Mario 64. We've had a decade to reverse engineer it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I when because I didn't I didn't have nostalgia for you know the Nintendo 64 version of it. The first version of Mario 64 I played was the DS version, which is different. It has the same stuff in it, but you can play uh, Yoshi, Luigi, and Wario. Right. Um, but so playing this version of it, uh, you know, the switch version of it, having the, you know, having to sort of like be a little more precise with my movements. Uh, I prefer the D pad for movement in this, in, in that version of it, just because it's like, it's a little more accurate than the, the stick. I, while I was playing it though, I was just like, how come not every game is this? Every game right. could just be this and it would be fine. It's so fun and so good. Well, well. So the the the, the I think it's a 3DS uh, Super Mario. Or hey, was it was it for DS? Was it for original DS? It was for the. It was a launch title for the DS. I think because that was the first game I got for it. There was there wasn't a true analog stick on the 3DS, right? What, what I, I'm I'm mis- no, I gotta yeah, I misremember so- hardware. There was like a little nub. The 3DS had an analog stick. The DS did not have an analog yeah. stick. Yeah. The launch and DS had a, just a D-pad and then the four buttons, but I think they used you had to use the stylus to yes. sort of manipulate the camera uh, as like in, as a analog stick instead. Basically, was, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, okay, yeah. bad. Yeah, so the 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 circle pad that's what it was on the 3DS. It was like yes. kind of a a hybrid, mm-hmm. a, a, a kind of a hybrid analog stick slash uh, pad. 
and that that didn't fit, didn't control well didn't it wasn't great and then they had an add-on later i think they had like a hardware add-on and then some of the hardware revisions had a better analog stick yeah uh, as far as like why why aren't more more games like mario 64 I think part of this, and and you know, this is this is again something just pulled from Wikipedia, but I thought this was good stuff. Part of it is just like the the power that Miyamoto had as an artist within Nintendo and the leeway he was given by management. Uh, so according to Nintendo of America, this is me reading from Wikipedia, according to Nintendo of America chairman Howard Lincoln, Miyamoto's desire to add more was a major factor in the decision to delay the Nintendo 64 from Christmas 1995 to April 1996. Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi later commented, Game creators can finish games quickly if they compromise, but users have sharp eyes. They know if the games are compromised. Miyamoto asked for two more months and I gave them to him unconditionally. Like, the amount of situations, it's, it's just such a rare circumstance, I should say, where someone has, like, both the power uh, and the permission to just sort of say, like, hey, this har- we're going to delay the hardware launch of our flagship product for the next half a decade from Christmas. We're going to miss the Christmas window because I think that this particular game will benefit from more development time. And they just say immediately, yes, yes, 100 percent. We're with you like yeah. that. Like that is just so much of game development is not is the opposite of that. So much of game development is, hey, can you move your product up to meet this window? Uh, hey, we're going to cut your budget. Hey, we're going to cut your staff. And and with these constraints, you're going to have to still get the same thing done. And so I, I think part of why part of this game's immense level of polish and and just a, and precision and 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 just a it just it just being such an incredible work of art comes from. They had three full years of dedicated development time. One year of that was just pretty much spent prototyping. I mean, that's like, especially yeah. for the era, that's that's a, it's incredible how much uh, how many resources they were given. I could be wrong, but I think there's a Miyamoto quote that's like a rushed game is forever bad, but a delayed yes. game is eventually good. Uh, yes. And I feel like that maybe that was about Mario 64. Maybe it wasn't even a real quote. Maybe it's just something I saw on Tumblr. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was yeah, in this front of game, a, it was superimposed over a photo of Marilyn Monroe. Can we just talk? <laughs> can we just talk about the intro screen? Like when you yes. drop the game in, I don't know if this is retained for the Switch versions. When you drop the game in, there is a fantastically high resolution Mario head that you can just play with. You yeah. can pull on his nose. You can wiggle his hat. You can. And there's like a light source rotating around his head like a tech demo showing off how good the lighting is on the Nintendo 64. It's it is a it was such a. Look, this is going to sound stupid, but the size of things on the screen used to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like when you would see a big, huge boss fight in an arcade and the boss took up the screen on one side, you'd be like, oh, my God, that's the biggest thing I've ever seen. So this game starting with Mario's head front and center, the size of the screen was really fucking cool at the time. You were, yes. I mean, it was his head was yours was your size. Like it was, you guys could it, kiss. It, full of, <laughs> it, I mean, like the era. So, so the previous year, Toy Story is released, and that's like everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Holy shit!" Toy Story is the the most amazing thing I've ever seen. This is a new way of looking at animation, and 
I think Mario, the, like the Mario 64 intro screen was a similar sort of like, oh my God, I can't believe what you can do with 3D graphics. I just, I can't believe that this is possible. You can rotate Mario's head. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it really is something, it really was dazzling. It really was like a showpiece for the hardware, which I think this game is throughout. We haven't even talked about anything. We're still no. <laughs> just orbiting the game. Like, we haven't talked about the incredible animation cycles that Mario has, like the difference between him running and walking and how novel that was at the time to push the analog stick a little bit and he'd walk and push it a lot and he'd jog and then finally run. Like, we haven't talked about the fact that if you leave him alone, he falls asleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about how every time he enters... Uh, enters a stage, he's like, let's go. And it, when he exits the stage, he takes off his hat, which blows your mind because you've never mm-hmm. seen Mario without his hat, scratches his head, puts his hat back on like he's going to fucking work. Like, <laughs> there's so much to love in this game. There's so much to love. Yeah, so much, the attention to detail is is wild. And also that... It both established a way of playing games. Like it's just like this is this is pretty much the template for 3D platformers and also just kind of 3D gameplay in general. Just you know, th- from at least third person games. Like this is still uh, how how these games control, especially with analog sticks, owes a lot to this game, which is still one of the best to have ever executed that. Like it it mm-hmm. still pulls it off better than most games that come out now. Because, like, I mean, the basic, the like, the the game, the game of this game is you're at the, you know, Peach has been taken, per usual. Bowser's mm-hmm. taken over the castle. There are doors that are either locked or unlocked, but the locked ones need stars to open. And then you get enough stars to get enough, to get a key to open a door. And so each yes. platforming, each level, you have to revisit a few times, right, to get enough stars and each time you revisit it you're doing a new star challenge uh yes and that basically that's it like in each location you're just like i don't remember how many there are but like there's you go to them enough times and you just like there's something you have to do something different every time and it's just so it's just like it's great it doesn't feel like you're replaying the level because you're doing something else I, I think it's instructive that the levels are referred to as courses Course, because that's yes. really what they are. They're like obstacle courses and there's mm-hmm. different ways to traverse them. And there's like you were saying, there's different goals on each one. There's so many there. There are there are a bunch of levels in this game. I think there's 15, maybe 16. Uh, uh, I should have counted. But there there's a bunch of levels in this game. There, there is a little bit of like, you know, there's two snow levels. There's kind of two, you know, nautical levels. There are a couple things where it's just like, all right, well, maybe this is, and apparently they wanted to add even more. Uh, but I do feel like they're, uh, it's, it's all like fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I kind of did the, normally the way I'd play one of these games is I'd kind of like, you know, finish an entire a level to its, uh, I, I just like completely get everything in a level before moving on. But I was a little less comprehensive in this playthrough because just because I was like, I'm just going to try to see as more, more as much of the game as possible. So just unlocking the star doors with like the minimum threshold. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I visited I, I, I visited most of these worlds playing this game a lot more than I expected to, to, to just because I was actually I was just legitimately having a blast. I, it, it's like like so many of these challenges are just so. 
I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. Racing the penguin is like so fun. I don't like, it's, I was just like, this, this yeah. is such like a novel. <laughs> it's so weird. I was just like, I was playing this. I was like, I'm having the time of my life here trying to beat yeah. this fucking penguin. And, it, and also even knowing going in, I was like, oh yeah, I remember playing this as a kid, a uh, kid, as a teenager and yeah. being like this, you know, I, I remember, I remember this penguin was a little bit annoying. And so going through it, like with the patience of a grown man and being like, okay, I'm going to lose to this penguin a couple of times. And I, but I have to lose in order to beat him. And then when I beat him, that's going to be satisfying. And like, like I just had a great time racing this fucking penguin. And then also the way that's paced is before you race the penguin, you have an earlier star that is going down the slide by just going down the slide by yourself. So mm-hmm. you're basically teaching the player to like, hey, here's how you, you get down this slide safely without falling off the edges so that we'll heighten it in a couple of stars when you'll face off with this penguin and you'll have to not only stay on the course, but go faster than this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I don't know. I, I I like that a lot. And I also just like that when you help, like there's something very satisfying because it, it's, it is basically you're, you're doing just a bunch of quests in this game. Yeah. And very often you're doing it for an NPC. So for instance, like this penguin is just like, Wow, Mario, I knew you were cool, but you're fast too. Here's a star. So you yes. get a lot of like kind of rewarding things like that, which I I I really like as a player. Yeah, it's a, it's uh, I'm trying to like it's it's like you're being shown ice cream again for the first time. Where you're sort mm-hmm. of just like, yeah, I've had this before, but wow, isn't it great? It's so good. Yes. Like like yeah, racing that penguin again, I was just like, wow, like I think I had the same thing too, except I did die a few times. Not die, but you know, I fell off the course. Uh, well, but that is a death. Yeah, yeah. Canonically, Mario did pass, and uh, <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, I guess I wasn't as patient as you because I was getting mad. I remember I did punch my, I punched my couch. Like I just like slammed my fist down on my couch, and I was like, no, right, because I was mad. But when you do, it's every time you get a star, it is like, oh man, <laughs> I did it, baby. Yeah, it's the the little we, Heather. You were you were chronicling all the animations that exist in this game, and certainly when he the the star get animation, the little dance he does, oh. uh, flashing the the v, the v for victory like Nixon. It's so fucking great. <laughs> uh, I don't think that. Well, I mean, okay, I'll let you. Uh, it's your own head cannon. I'm not gonna yeah. fringe. Clearly, a reference to President why, Nixon. Why Mario is doing what he does? <laughs> uh, I think um, I was thinking. Here's two things I was thinking going into this. One was I bet the swimming is worse than I remember, and I bet the flying is worse than I remember. Turns out I was wrong on both both counts. Yeah, I think the swimming is better than I remember. Uh, and I think that the flying is extremely fun. Uh, there is a level where you are in the desert and mm-hmm. you're flying around a bunch of tornadoes. And I, I just wanted to do that for forever. Like it was, yes. it's just like a good time to be flying around in that level. I, in the way that the first stage, that grassy area outside of the castle is sort of like an experimental zone where you can get familiar with Mario's, uh, play set move set i wish that there was a similar flying area where mm-hmm. you had unlimited flying and just like a sort of obstacle course where you could see what kind of tricks you could do or like how to bank or like yeah i i i wish you could fly more in the game i love the flying 
Yeah, I guess the equivalent of that is, and it's not the same thing be, because it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's more limited than the outdoor courtyard area. But the, I do love that this the the way that these are presented in the hub world is like like you know jumping into the paintings, which we haven't even talked about, is mm-hmm. awesome. But yes. then there's also hidden th- hidden features that you'll find throughout. One of those is you look up, you use the the uh, uh, the camera look mode to look up at the sun. Uh, in the lobby of the castle, lobby, I guess it's a lobby of the castle. <laughs> and then you get to this flying world, which is where you unlock the uh, uh, you unlock the exclamation blocks uh, that will give you the flying caps and subsequent levels. And yeah, you just get to sort of soar around there. And like, that's super fun. But also, I'll just say like, like, man, d- just to be like, hey, instead of just being there's a door to this hub world or I'm sorry, there's a door from this hub world to the flying stage, to the flying stage tutorial slash place where you unlock flying and other levels. There's like like that's like kind of an Easter egg that you have mm-hmm. to find is looking up at the sun. I, I, I don't know. I just love all these the choices like that. Mario games and our very own DLC demonstrates mm-hmm. that the fun of a Mario game is the power-ups. Mm-hmm. And this game has excellent power-ups. Yes. I love the metal suit, both so in terms cool. of like how cool it makes like travel and like being Im- Im- impenetrable, impervious, mm-hmm. invincible, but also as a tech demo of what the N64 can do. It's fucking crazy. Like it looked, I think I've said this on the show before. It looks like the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, Another thing but that was absolutely dazzling at the time that you had no yeah. like like just the just the way it reflected lighting it just it looked it looked like a it looked impossible and that yeah you that, that this was controllable I'll also say that I like the way that it affects it's 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 great that like you become you, you that you sink in water now which yeah. changes gameplay and opens things up and in, in stages uh, I I'll say one thing I liked that was really that I was like, oh yeah, this is tickling me, and this is another thing that get that kind of gets established in this game and carried over to, to subsequent games is uh, when Mario falls in lava and he burns his little butt. And he's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> man, I, I got a kick out of that every time. Yeah, I think I think you do. If I did have a criticism of that, I think you lose too much health for it because it really takes you out. Um, but I, right. I do, I do like it. I think you, well, they could make you lose a little less health. You, you think, are getting your, your cheeks scorched by lava. So <laughs> yeah, you're falling in lava. The fact that it only removes health and doesn't yeah, immediately right. kill you. I know, but it's still a, this is a, it's a game for children. It should, I, I shouldn't have uh, died <laughs> in the lava. Um. <laughs> I think that another thing that's awesome about this game is the music. And yeah. uh, the sound design across the board is great. Like his jumps and his the clicky steps that he has. The fact that the steps sound different on different surfaces. That's fucking awesome. But the music itself is and remains uh, important to me. Uh, I think I've mentioned on the show that I have like a sleepy mix of like sleepy songs now you can just go on YouTube and they're like procedurally generated. Like you put in Dire Dire Docs and it will just play sleepy music for you. But let's wow. hear Dire Dire Docs again for the very first time.
just perfect. Yeah. Not just perfect, but simple. Ooh. Later in the track, when the drums kick in. I'm not sure if this game or if it or if it's a there's an earlier game like an Echo the Dolphin. Uh, I don't remember the soundtrack for that game specifically that kind of established what water levels would sound like in the 3D gaming era. But like this is the, this is a track I associate with like, oh, yeah, we kind of get this like kind of tranquil ambience. And that's what we're going to hear. And, oh, you know, a Donkey Kong Country. That's what that's what fucking established. It. It's fucking Donkey Kong Country. Of course, Donkey Kong Country. What am I saying? What dumb fucking point? <laughs> if I thought for another second, I would have realized it was Donkey Kong Country. It came out for the Super Nintendo, developed by Rare. I think the song is called Aquatic Ambience, the one that established the convention. It's not this fucking song. It's Donkey Kong Country. That's dumb, Weiger. <laughs> fucking dolt. Wait, just let it play, because I think we're almost at the drums. No, we're not. Great. We're not. I mean, I kind of just wish the podcast was just us like having a smooth time over some smooth tunes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it should it should it should be stated that uh, Koji Kondo really did it to him on this one. He's yeah. The, yeah. the master. Here comes those drums. Ooh. I mean, we're not doing anything. We're all just bopping our heads. No, yeah. Even. I mean, <laughs> it's it's great. We should probably talk over it more. Or can we play <laughs> this much of it? I mean, we talked over DMCA. It, so. Oh man, we're gonna get DMCA'd. No, I think we talked over it enough. It's fine, but I will start to fade it out yeah. so that we don't get in trouble. One of my uh, favorite genres of music, which is Dreamwave, borrows very, very heavily from that sort of audio aesthetic. And I brought in a track from uh, the uh, performer, creator, Alex, A L E X, which is how you ask for him on Siri. Um, and this song is, I think it's called, I wish, or it's I miss sleepovers. I miss having sleepovers. I miss having sleepovers. Uh, and he samples a lot of the N64, uh, audio s- style. So let's play, play a little bit of this, Apodaca. Dear Mario, please come to the castle. I have baked a cake for you. You're a truly Same sort of sleepy sound. Yeah. Don't drive to this music. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That, that, I think, lossy sample, that frayed, almost flannel sound to these instruments. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, so if you want... Some cool tunes. Look up Growing Up Volume 1, Growing Up Volume 2, and Growing Up Volume 3 by ALEX. Uh, yeah. It's good. It's good. Good times, guys. Good times. Some times that we've had. Yeah. Great music, great sound design, great limited use of VO, particularly by Charles Martinet, who plays Michael Douglas's dad in the game. That I, was found, a, I found that, such a found that out and said that to you guys. So yeah. odd. Anyway. Which, and he also uses Mario's voice for the whole thing. He's like, oh yeah. no, you're in the game. 
excerpt from a Gamma Sutra interview with Yoshiaka Kozumi, uh, who worked on Nintendo, who worked on Mario 64, rather, and directed Sunshine and Galaxy. And he was talking about camera design for 3D, which this game innovated. And, and I think if there is maybe a criticism, Heather, maybe will jump down my throat for not playing an original hardware. <laughs> but I do feel like the camera is is not great, but it's pretty oh, yeah, good. Fuck you. Eat shit. It's okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's it's not perfect, but man, for like basically the first iteration of this, it's it's remarkably good. It's, especially at following Mario. I think if there's anything, it's just that you're a little limited in where yeah. specifically you can rotate the camera to. Because even in uh, Crash Bandicoot, that's I mean a, a 3D side scroller. The camera's moving with you. It, you don't get to manipulate the the camera. Right? Well, yeah, they have yeah. they have levels where you're you're going yeah. into the screen or going yeah. towards the screen, but yeah, the the camera is is fixed angles. They're yeah. controlling it. So, uh, but 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 here's a little bit of a about a free roaming camera design. One example is the difficulty of stomping Goombas in 3D, a basic typical activity in a Mario game. On the TV screen, objects don't have the same kind of physicality. Uh, Koizumi says, "That's what made it difficult to make people grasp the physicality in depth." One solution is adding shadow. We decided to drop a shadow on the ground everywhere in Mario 64, said Koizumi. That way, every floating object would have a reference point on the ground. Shadows are so effective at conveying depth that adding them has become an ironclad necessity, having shadows fall directly under the character regardless of light source. It might not be realistic, but it's much easier to play with the shadow directly below. And yeah, that's a big part of, of how you, uh, of when you're actually playing this game of, of, judging Mario's position when he's when he's jumping and judging where he's going to land is just like watching his little shadow. And and I, I love that that's just like it's a concession to the player uh, at the expense of reality, but it makes this game so much more playable when you can judge exactly where they're going to land. You don't, you're not having to eyeball everything. I think another triumph of this camera is the way that it switches between you positioning it and the camera auto positioning. Uh, there is a moment in the very first level where you are running up the outside of what is essentially a giant column, you know, to get to the top and fight the bomb king. And the camera very naturally turns around the corners so that you can see where to put Mario next. Like right. it is, the, I think the reason that the camera is established as a character is to justify these movements so that you're you're watching the TV show of the game that you are playing, and sometimes the camera has agency. Another time that that happens where the, ca the camera is out of your control are the Bowser levels. And I think I read somewhere that the Bowser levels, they wanted to eliminate the sense of exploration and sort of drive you towards the fight. So the Bowser levels have a fixed camera. I, I mm -hmm. think th those are awesome, important choices being made that are almost invisible when you're first playing the game. You're not thinking, oh man, this camera's moving around. You're thinking, ah, good, I can see around this corner. Good job, Nintendo. Yeah, when it makes an adjustment on the fly or just like, you know, you, you hit a you hit a section where the, and there's like a trigger in the in the level that that reorients the camera because they know that's where the player's position like th those uh, those nudges help things a lot and make this a lot more navigable. By the way, you mentioned the Bowser courses, which are, you know, the, the they are the stretches in the games that are that are linear. They kind of blew that out, I feel like with Star with Super Mario Sunshine. They they're just they're they're awesome. They're so fun. These 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 linear 3D platformers, they're 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 reasonably challenging. Like, you know, you you've got to get through them in one go. There aren't checkpoints. 
and it's and there's there's some good risk reward with like am I going to try to get the eight red coins and get a, uh, a, a uh, and and get an extra star here, or am I just going to try to get through it and and toss Bowser around? And then at the end of it, you get the boss fight with Bowser, which is, I mean, they they do it a few times in this game, the idea of getting behind something and then throwing it. But man, it's so fun to grab Bowser by the tail and then spin around. You know, use that that uh, emotion that was somewhat novel at the time, like spinning the analog stick, and using that to 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 spin Bowser around and hurl him into a bomb. It's super fun. It's great. They're great boss fights. I will say that Mario legendary, legendarily kind of, or famously kind of doesn't have very challenging boss fights, but mm -hmm. I feel like the boss fights that it does have are very memorable because they figure out something mechanically uh, that sticks with you. And that's definitely the case with these. Well, just the idea that you can go behind something was still new. So like the idea that you could get behind somebody and take, take advantage of your physical space. I mean, it's like, you, you move because you moved from 2D to 3D. The, you couldn't slip behind like the coolest 3D element of Super Mario World is where you punch a fence and then you're behind the fence. Mm -hmm. Like right. otherwise, there's not really a lot of behind motion. Same with Mario 3. When you uh, get your first warp whistle and the way you do it is by ducking until you fall behind a panel. Like th those were revolutionary little tiny moments. And this game... I capitalized on, hey, there's space. So good, go around a thing as opposed to just confronting it face on. That's it's a fucking great game. It's a great game. I had a great time playing through it. I'm going to probably finish my playthrough just because like I, I never got bored. In fact, I'm eager to play it more. And it's just it's a fun game to replay. And I think it holds up. And I mean, we could talk about this all day, obviously. I'm sure the freaks out there would love it. Uh, who released a fucking episode that's all day long fucking 12 hours of us talking they i'm sure they they they'd love it they get their rocks off to that shit oh yeah yeah it'd be it'd be it'd be insane people would go absolutely bonkers and but they'd love it they'd love it because they're sick because they're sick but you know what we don't have all day we should get to our final thoughts it's time for our review crew <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to say something positive for Super Mario 64, a little treat we're giving ourselves in the midst of Super Mario, and give it a numerical decimal rating. I will begin. I mean, I talked about the eight red coins briefly, but I feel like after Mario 64, there were a lot of 3D platformers that had that were criticized as being collect-a-thons, like you just have to collect so much shit uh, to, to progress. And that's it's just like a very boring sort of quest design to be like, I just have to go pick up a bunch of some object to fulfill this goal. But I feel like the eight red coins and the way they are carefully positioned throughout the level and uh, and that some of them are like, for instance, on the lava stage on Lethal Lava Land, where you've got like it's just basically that they're they're all congregated in one area there, and it's just like get it, it's just like kind of solving this one particular puzzle space. But in other ones, you know, like the uh uh the, like the snow stages, they're like dispersed throughout the entire like play area. It's like it's fun the way that that gets mixed up, and and it's just kind of the perfect sweet spot of collecting 
Just like, I got to get these eight red coins. Yes, you also get 100 coins. Uh, there's a 100 coin star, but you can usually do that in concert with the eight red, uh, the eight red coin one. Um, this game is a masterpiece. It's it's uh, just a staggering work of genius. It's uh, It set the template for what 3D gaming would be and also is like one of the best 3D games ever made. It's it's just, it's a triumph. I can't believe how fucking good it is. I, it, it for, for a moment, you know, I was playing this, I like kind of had a moment where I was just like, Jesus Christ. I don't, you know, I was playing this game. I was like, man, I like, that was like, oh, I would love to make something like this someday. Mm-hmm. And then kind of being like, well, no, that didn't happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, but you can do a podcast saying you like it. That's something. I don't know. Kind of, kind of gave a little bit of an existential crisis for me, but that's okay. Uh, this game is awesome. It's, it's incredible. And you know, the thing we talk, we established in our very first episode that kind of drifts out of you on occasion with the review crew is that these scores are out of 1 million points. That's true. This game gets 1 million out of 1 million. Wow. Wow. All right, Heather wow. and Campbell. Well, I've talked a lot about all the positive things that I feel about Mario 64, but in the interest of some personal journalism, I think it would be an anecdote that I would like to share, which is that the very first time I ever held a girl's hand and kissed a girl was that a girl said, you have Mario 64? And I said, yes. And she said, can I come over and see it? And I said, yes. And she came over and she said, how do I hold this controller? And I said, well, you you do it like this. And she held it wrong on purpose. And I said, no, you do it like this. And she held it wrong on purpose. And she said, maybe you need to hold my hands so that I know how to hold the controller. Nice. And then I was like, wow. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna hold this girl's hands. I'm probably started sweating visibly. <laughs> I held the girl's hand, showed her how to play uh, Super Mario 64. And after she had run around in the main uh, entry, the, the grassy area, she was like, I don't really want to play this game. I'd rather kiss you. And we kissed. And wow. it was my first kiss with a girlfriend or who a girl who became a girlfriend way all wow. the way back in 1996. So... This game obviously elicits a lot of feelings that are nostalgia. Uh, they're bittersweet. They're good feelings. It's like it's it's a it's a big moment. My first job, my first kiss. Um, so I don't have any complaints about the game, and also they are anchored in time as like massive, massive scale memories for me. Um, I think it's really hip to hate on old games, and I'll do s- demonstrate that in some of the um, maybe we were wrong about this. But this game's perfect. It's 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 a million. It's a million points. Nick was wow. right. Wow, a million points for our hundredth episode. Matt Apodaca. Well, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but um, I think it sucks. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, I don't think it sucks. I mean, I didn't have the nostalgia. I mean, I certainly don't have like uh, an impactful like memory tied to it at all. Um, but I was saying, you know, for for what it is, like the way you can play it now for how it's, it's presented to me now, which is on the 3D All-Stars. Playing it in that way, like obviously like with the camera, like Heather said, it's, it's not going to match up to the experience of playing on the original hardware. But despite the like truly minute, minor 
like frustrations I was having with the camera and things like that. I was having the fucking time of my life with this thing. And I said earlier, like, why aren't all games this game? It, they all should be this game. It has, it stands the test of time. It presents itself as like, this is the game of this, that console generation. It is the Mario game. Mario games today aren't Mario games without this game. And it's like, I mean, it's, so fun my uh, my positive thing the thing that i love about it is like when i find a secret star i feel like a fucking genius because like (laughs) i didn't have to open a door i just accidentally found something it was like they didn't even (laughs) they didn't want me to find it but i found it um (laughs) and i don't know it's just like it's just for a game to be oh 25 years old and still play as well as it did the day it came out is unheard of and it's like it's just it's it's absolutely in um, a million out of a million, and you know what better wow. what better game to play on a hundredth episode of a podcast where we talk about how much we hated something? <laughs> like, you know, it's the exact anti- antithesis of why we do this show. But it's 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 a marvel. I I love it. Yeah, it's really something. And I I, I do want to make one point, which is that. As as much as I love this game, it's not even my favorite Mario. Like it's just like I think it's it's fucking yeah. phenomenal. But I still would probably put Super Mario World maybe three. Probably I'd put I'd put sixty four over three. And as and also oh. I think just as a as an experience uh, as oh. I think also Blah. as an experience, like I think Odyssey <laughs> is more fun to play these days than you know uh, than than this is. But still, it, it's it's fucking incredible. By the way, the Heather, your your reaction speaks to it as well. Like, there's a case that that this is like a towards the bottom of the top five of Mario's, as good as it fucking what? is. It's unbelievable. No, that, no, I was just three is perfect. Three. Is That's what perfect. I was gonna say. That's like you're saying three is better than sixty four. You could say, hey, I like three world. And Galaxy over Super Mario 64, no. and you would not sound crazy. No, you would not put World. No, World doesn't <laughs> go there. World That's is a, good. World is it's, great. It's fine. It's world fine. rules. Oh, no. But where does Hotel Mario go? <laughs> <laughs> what? Do, how about just thinking about this game without Charles Martinet's VO, but with the. Uh, Hotel Mario VO. <laughs> hey, Peach, save me a slice of that cake. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. That's like the vehicle for the game happening. You're like, I guess I better yes. get some of this cake. Let's let's, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny to be like, instead of wahoo, yahoo, for it to be like, hey, whoa. <laughs> God damn it, Bowser. <laughs> There's cussing in this game? <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> dickery, dickery. <laughs> He's the dice man? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Matt did the uh, take a cigarette drag from behind the the back of his head move. <laughs> that was just for us on Zoom. <laughs> hey, those were our thoughts on Super Mario 64, but maybe we're wrong. Maybe we were wrong. We've got reviews selected from all over the internet. And if we had a positive take on this game, those would be negative reviews. But since we had a negative, wait, God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. A hundred. Oh. That was great. 
if it's ne- if we have negative takes, it'll be a positive review. And if we had a positive take, these will be negative reviews. Basically, it's just that we were wrong. I've got a review here from thegamer.com. And it was published in 2017 by Nick Beaumont. And it's clickbait or not. But it's 15 reasons everyone knows Super Mario 64 is overrated. And I'm just going to read the 15 points instead of the entire like nine page article. 15 Bowser's, which is spelled wrong as Bauer, Bowser's fugly character model. The graphics have not aged well. 14, 13 controlling Dory is horrible. 12 TikTok clock is hugely irritating. 11 resurfacing somehow recovers your health meter. 10 swimming is just not fun. Nine having to use the flying carpets multiple times. Eight why do the toads have power stars? I'll, hold on. I'll tell you why. Mirth and joy. That's why the fucking toads have power stars. Seven, that camera. Six, those analog controls. Fuck you. Five, the Luigi rumor is a myth. Four, picking up that monkey. Three, the Bowser fight is repeated three times. Two, catching the rabbit. And number one, Yoshi's prize. Yoshi's prize is the existence of Yoshi. <laughs> yes. The, the prize is how the fuck did you get up here? I'm Yoshi. Like, it's, yeah. this list pissed me off and maybe they were wrong about us being wrong. Yeah. That's I, what I, yes. I think. I was going to say, the to- when, the, when a toad gives you a star, that is easily my favorite star to get because I can't believe they gave it to me. It's so satisfying because, yeah, you, you maybe had to go through, you know, you, you probably ha- you had like tw- maybe 20 minutes of gameplay yeah. trying multiple times to get the star in, in one of these courses. And then you talk to a toad and just like, oh, shit, here, my star count grows. Yeah. Because this guy just had one. You're like, really? That's I can fun. have It's this? satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. What do you got, Nick? How were we wrong? Uh, I've got one from Crossbone. This is on Metacritic. This is a four out of ten. The original version of Super Mario 64 is one of the most overrated games of all time. Graphically, it's aged about as nicely as a carton of milk that came out in 1996. Oh, wait, this trash game got released in 96. Jokes aside, jokes, the graphics are (laughs) pathetic and have aged poorly. The controls are fine, but there's way too many glitches that can either break the game or make the game way too easy. Looking at you, backwards long jump. Backwards long jump is used to... It's not in the it's it it got taken out of the game. I think it, it you know, this is before patches existed, but it got it, it subsequent releases. Uh, it, uh, this was taken out. But if you're speed running the game, the backwards long jump is one of the ways you're able to skip big ports, big portions of prof- progression. It's not a game breaker uh, because you can just not do it. People get on Sonic 06 for having tons of glitches. Yet in a playthrough of that game, I haven't experienced more than two unless I went out of my way to find them. Mario 64, you can run into these glitches on the fly and often at that. It's an insane conclusion. Yeah. Sonic Sonic 06 is so buggy. This game has some things where like, yeah, Mario can get kind of stuck on an edge uh, and and everything gets all jittery or the the camera, you know, goes through geometry or something. But it's like as far as glitches are concerned, this is this game is so much more polished than Sonic 06. And it came out 10 years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. I fell. I fell to my death through nothing in Sonic 06 <laughs> t- enough times to remember many times. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? All right, I have a, um, 
And maybe we were wrong from Miyamoto himself. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> this discussion comes from, uh, and Iwata asks uh, about Super Mario 64. Um, and the quote goes, <clears throat> when I was working on Super Mario 64, I realized halfway through that it was getting boring. I don't remember if it was when I watched someone playing it, but I was like, wait a minute. So I went around and asked everyone, this game was really fun in the beginning, but now it doesn't feel fun anymore, does it? And just as I expected, they all said, we agree. So there's a moment in the development of Mario 64 where everyone's like, oh no. It's like when you've mm-hmm. written a joke a million times for a script or you've, you, or you've done the same trick on your bike and you're like, maybe this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> right. As you're soaring through the night sky. Uh, (laughs) In the beginning, we had Mario turning really slowly so that it was really overemphasized. But at some point, he'd started turning really quickly. He kind of zipped around. So then we changed it so that he went back to turning really slowly. And well, I'm not sure if that was the right change to make, but it was really important to me because Super Mario 64 was a project that started from that turning movement. So the reason it got boring was that he turned too quickly. And when they slowed down his turning, the game got interesting again. Uh, I think I think given that Nick talked about this earlier, that that's both an incredible, maybe we were wrong, that Mario 64 is boring, but also an interesting counterpoint to the movement, the locomotion itself. Right. The game has to have a slow turn or it gets terrible. And I trust <laughs> Miyamoto on that. Maybe you were uh, th- wrong, Nick. <laughs> hey, all right. Let's take it easy. That's fascinating to learn that that's the reason for his turdy gradius, like the speed of his turdy gradius, that it was just like it just made every it, it just globally affected how everything played. Um, it it uh, Yeah, it's uh, that's interesting. Hey, I want to talk about speed runs real quick. This isn't uh, maybe we're wrong, but this is, I think, uh, adjacent to it because this is uh, this is one of the most heavily speed run games and th- the times that people are able to pull off largely facilitated by the backwards long jump, uh, the aforementioned backwards long jump by uh, Crossbone, or the fuck his name was. Uh, they, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, do you guys want to take a guess at the, the first one? This is the, this is the quickest one. This is using some progression skips, the 16-star speed run. Uh, do you guys want to guess how fast someone can get through that? The, what the current world record is? 16 stars, like the first 16 stars. Yeah, well, it's not the first 16, it's oh, okay. 16 particular stars, okay. and then once you reach that point, you can skip through a bunch of the game and get to the final Bowser fight. I'm going to guess, do you want to go guess first, Heather? I mean, either, they're both guesses, so you can go first or I can go first. Okay, but matter. there's a lot on the line here. I was going to give you the opportunity <laughs> to go first. Oh, okay. Well, then Yeah, I'll you go guys first. are playing for your jobs. Yeah. Um, oh, if that's the case, then 18 hours, 51 minutes. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess for real. Uh, two minutes, forty-five seconds. Okay, I was gonna guess. So my guess is worse. I was gonna guess a half an hour, but I don't know. Uh, split the difference between the two of you. Fourteen minutes, fifty-nine wow. seconds. Wow! Wow! Uh, okay, so would you want to guess for the one hundred twenty star playthrough? This is the one hundred percent playthrough when you get every single star. Thirty-three minutes. I'm 55 minutes. You both, I mean, it's not going to seem as impressive now because you both guessed faster than it actually is. 
One hour, 38 minutes, okay. 20, 21 seconds, which is still unbelievable That's insane. To, get, yeah. to finish every single star in this game. The, yeah. the speed running and community also, is our best and brightest. The <laughs> amount of Olympic level skill that it would take to focus for an hour and 38 minutes and do everything yes. perfectly. That's in, that's also insane. Take out the bobsled, put in speed runs, baby. I don't want to see it anymore. Fully agree. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get Olympics. Yeah. Okay, okay, I get it. I was like, what are you, what? Or bobsled? Get him out of here. I don't want to see it anymore. I also can, before we, this was a thing I wanted to say that was in my notes, which yes. is that the the controlling of this game, which is now invisible to us because all games control this way, was also the same year that Resident Evil came out and taught us how a 3D game could control, mm -hmm. which is it could have made, it could have controlled that up was always forward. Yes. And, and and that that would have been a nightmare that we were all stuck inside. <laughs> I think Tomb Raider also was like kind of a, a similar feeling in it. Like, I don't think it was... I think she was always, I don't quite remember. It's been a long time since I played Tomb Raider, but this game fixed all of the problems, which is that. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, yeah, at the time, it was like a genuine debate of like, do we want character relative controls or do we want camera relative controls? And, you know, there was the, the Resident Evil cases like, well, you're controlling your character. The direction should dictate where your character is moving. But, you know, as we see in Mario 64 and as we see it as the convention has been established, it's just like, yeah, wait, controlling the direction you're moving relative to the camera always feels better. And so, yeah, that's a that's a great point, Heather, that, yeah, the 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 Resident Evil control Resident Evil is cumbersome to control. I still like the Resident Evils, but that Resident Evil one is uh, the first few Resident Evils are cumbersome to control. And Mario 64 is a dream. Great. So I guess we're done. <laughs> we're done? Like with the show? <laughs> Our run is finished? Uh, no, no, I think we got, it's time we, for the question block, right? That's right. But ding cue me up. Come on. Hit, set me up. No, Get Heather, me ready. we have one more. We have one more point of business. We have one more bit of business. One more point of order. It's time for the question block. Okay, so look, I didn't get any questions, but we get a lot, we get a lot of voicemails for sent to us. You know, they, people call us and they leave us a voicemail, and often they send a question, but often they're very very nice. And I thought because it's the hundredth episode, and people would like to hear the fans on the show as well, and we, we'd like to hear some nice things. I thought, why didn't I compile some nice things? Uh, so here's here's some some of our fans calling us to tell us that uh, they like us. Here we go. Hello, this is Brian from Nebraska, and I just wanted to tell you I love your podcast. Been listening to it since the Superman '64 that you guys covered, and uh, just love all your features. Every time you guys do a feature, it's just awesome. Hey, Heather, Matt, Nick, uh, this is Zach and. Uh, Montana. I uh, just wanted to say I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and it, I work in pest control, and it really helps me get through most of my days just listening to you guys banter and 
making me laugh so hard I got a pull over. He's like stomping on rats while listening to us talk. (laughs) Hi, uh, how did this get played? This is Harper from Pennsylvania. I'm a trans woman, she, her pronouns. I just want to give a big shout out really quick to Heather. Wanted to tell you that you mean a whole lot to me and my friends for being openly gay in the gaming community. Yeah. Hey guys, Matt here. Me, me, uh, me, me, huge, me. huge fan of the podcast. Okay. Listen to you guys all the time. Uh, I listen to a ton of video game podcasts. I thought I'm a fucking expert, but you guys are literally my number one favorite, favorite podcast. You guys are just like a fucking chef's kiss. Like what you guys do totally brings me life. Um, Heather, Nick, Matt, you guys seriously fucking rock. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I wanted to do it a little bit longer, but I didn't know how much time I got for this message. Anyway, my name is Michael Wilkinson. I'm a registered nurse in the Denver, Colorado area. Um, I just wanted to thank you guys for providing some laughs and some entertainment um, while I'm out on the road um, visiting patients in their homes. Um, I just listened to you guys and I just crack up, but also... Um, you know, think that you guys provide um, good, thoughtful commentary. Um, just good people, um, and I appreciate that. Hi, guys. Um, I'm hoping this is the right uh, voicemail to leave a message for. But uh, my name is Sam. Um, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Hi, uh, this is Joseph, and I'm calling for how did this get played? I really love the podcast. Um, it, it's funny. It's a definitely a, a bright uh, moment for my day. Hi. Um, I. Um, my name is Logan. I fuck. <laughs> Hi, my name is Logan, and I just wanted to call to not ask a question or anything, but just to say thanks. Because during this pandemic, I, like everyone else, have not been able to hang out with my friends, and your show is honestly like filling that void in a little in a in a in a way because i i love i love all of you and i love video games uh as a concept um although i cannot play them for the life of me but this show is (laughs) has always been very helpful and informative in learning about every game that i will never play including the good ones (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also, you all are, your personalities are exactly like myself and the people that I hang out with. And so I just wanted to give a call, even though I hate talking on the phone, because I figured this doesn't get hit up as a line more off, as often as emails and things like that. So, um, yeah, thanks. And I hope you all are doing well and living life. Bye. <laughs> There we go. Wow. Look at all those nice uh, people. Lovely. Made, that was beautiful. It made, it made me cry. Oh, Heather. Um, Everybody's so sweet. I don't know what's wrong with everybody. I don't <laughs> know what they're doing. That's why you're upset. You're like, oh my God, yeah. they're all so stupid. <laughs> yeah. It better taste in podcasts. <laughs> well, I mean, Open up the iTunes store. Well, you guys, what are you doing with your lives? Yeah. <laughs> But you know, that people was, people say a lot of really nice things like that, so I thought sweet. you guys should hear it. Well, fuck you guys, you eat shit. <laughs> thank you, thank you everyone for listening. What go go figure your stuff out. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what, Matt, hold on. I'm I got I'm checking the voicemail now. We have one more call. Uh <laughs> we have one more message that's been left here. Boop. 
Hey, Wiker, it's Q from Honey Pop. <laughs> Call me, sweetheart. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, boy. Oh, man. I forgot. <laughs> this is a live call-in show, so that was very exciting. <laughs> Hey, oh, while, we're, uh, while we're while uh, we're patting ourselves on the back real quick, uh, I <laughs> I want to. We should say something about our. I call him our MVP, Devin Bryant. Yeah, uh, who does the uh, who engineers our show and does our music each week, which is I think pretty much everyone's favorite part of the show. Yeah, uh, and uh, we really appreciate that, Devin. You're the best, and and God bless you, and thanks for all you do. Yeah, oh, yeah. you guys rule. It's been the most fun. I love. I mean, hundred episodes. That's crazy. That's How so many, many songs. Well, just I mean, if you count all the segments and stuff, it's over a hundred. But this mm-hmm. will, this week's will be the wow. the hundred wow. theme. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of material. I can't. That's a lot of material. <laughs> yeah, it's more work Remember? than I've done for this fucking show. <laughs> I mean, it, yes. I, I've been thinking a lot about that actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been wondering, like, is there anyone else? Has this ever happened before where someone has rewritten the same song a hundred times? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. That's got to be a new genre or a new a new kind of challenge. <clears throat> like, I. Yeah. It's, <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that Moby did like a bunch of different versions of Mr. Plow. Good. Uh, like different <laughs> remixes of the Mr. Plow song from The Simpsons. But that's all I can, that's all, that's all that comes to mind. So it's you and Moby. Me and Moby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Devin. You can follow t- him on Twitter at BaffleGabs. And you can us up on Twitter and Instagram at GetPlayedPod. Send us an email at GetPlayedPod at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 616-2PLAYED. That's 616-275-2933. And Matt, it's time for you to tell us next week's game as Super Mario continues. All right, next week's game is Super Mario Brothers 2. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Bucket. Edge. When I get Bowser grabbing his tail, spinning round and round, will you still be telling me a let's go? A baby penguin lost in the snow If I gave stars in exchange for a key Would you unlock the door? The princess still needs me My brother's Luigi Mario 64 Happy birthday!